welcome to the R4R podcast. We are here to provide conversations that educate and elevate. And my name is Karen Conley and welcome into our conversation. I have back with me my good friend and the expert uh, of all things. I feel like Vanetta has walked in so many different amazing spaces. Vanetta West, welcome back to the video and to our podcast. Glad Thanks, to have Karen. you. Well, for those of you, if you haven't checked out um, our previous two, this is part three in a series. We are talking about the five majors um, of race for reconciliation. Um, really, these are kind of the pillars of who we are as an organization, what we want to accomplish, um, and how we want to have this conversation. We want to provide the most positive, unifying voice on racial reconciliation. And um, this podcast is part of the education process. Um, you can also go to our website, raceforreconciliation.org, and find other resources that we recommend there, as well as information about the events. We actually will have literal races, our first one in Memphis on Dr. Martin Luther King Day in January of 2021. And so we are excited to launch that. But these conversations, Vanetta, are so important as we really try to begin a conversation that you have been a part of for a long time. And as I said in our first podcast, um, you know, there's a part of me that, that I walk in this space with, I've done a lot of podcasts. I don't usually get nervous. I get nervous when we talk about racial reconciliation because I'm so afraid I'm going to say something wrong. I'm so afraid that that I have a white bias that I don't even realize. And, and so as we come to these podcasts, we want to create a safe place that, that we can have conversations and people can learn. And I'm, I'm on the journey with everybody. And I appreciate the way that in our friendship um, over the last years, as we've been working towards launching our website and our first event, um, you've, you've, you have allowed me to ask you a lot of questions and us to have a lot of conversations. Um, and this one particular in part three that we're going to focus on is called ensuring equity. And so we talked about our first pillar being redefining reconciliation, our second one, tackling tokenism, and this one we're looking at ensuring equity. Let me just kind of read the statement. If you're able to watch by video, you can see it on the screen. It says this, we believe that equity does not equal lack for anyone and that it is key for reconciliation. When we commit to helping eradicate racially motivated inequity, we are demonstrating love in action. Love in action is essential for reconciliation. And so, Vanetta, as we talk about this ensuring equity, one of the things that I learned early in my journey is that there's a difference between equality and equity. Um, mm. Can you maybe define those terms for us? Um, and help us understand the difference between the two in this space. Why does, why does that matter? Because in, in this world, you can say one of those and, and, and sometimes be corrected. If you're new in the journey, you might not know. Help us understand. Sure. Well, you know, this uh, all men are created equal notion. It's in our, uh, the documents, uh, the founding documents for this, this nation. I put founding in quotations because you know, 
that's very uh, strange language to me uh, concerning this country in particular, but all men are created equal. If you even listen to the language on that, it says all men. And I don't think it was meaning men, including women necessarily, not given the history <laughs> of the context. And I certainly know that it wasn't including uh, black men or black women, black people. And so even in that, um, you can understand why equality is not just what we're seeking. But if we've gotten to the place and we think all people are created equal is what we have, even that's not equity. If you believe we're created equal, then what, what that means is um, we're created on the same level uh, in terms of value mm -hmm. and worth and, and, and uh, the uh, standard of being treated with dignity and with, with respect. We could even see based on that definition for equality that we don't necessarily believe that. Um, that's something in the documents, but that's not something even in the systems right now that we see uh, embracing black people. So equality means that you're created on the same uh, playing field and um, with the same value and worth, but this country intrinsically doesn't even believe that. Equality and equity are something different. Equality has to do with how I came here. Equity is about my existence now. Um, equity means that um, there's a, a distribution of wealth, of resources, of opportunities that allows us to be here. So I'm holding up my hands like this because this is the best, and I apologize if anybody is um, vision impaired, but I have my hands where they're on the same level, which means there's equity. So if I move one hand up and it's representing the education system, that means there's inequity. So the hand up would generally be like uh, maybe predominantly white schools in some affluent areas or with some resources that the lower hand doesn't have. And some people would say we need to give them equal resources. Well, if I give a lower hand and a higher hand equal resources, they both move up, but there's still a higher hand and a lower hand. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I want equity, then I have to give the lower hand more than I give the higher hand. Mm -hmm. so that they're on the same level. That's equity. That's equity and resources. Um, you didn't give us equal. You gave us enough so that there's equity. Mm -hmm. That's a hard work, not just in this country, but in the world, because we talk about handouts and people need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Where we talked in the last podcast about constructs and systemic issues, Jim Crow, the actual placement of Black people, things that weren't provided what does it take to come out of 400 years of slavery and get to equity? Mm -hmm. And what do we owe the next generation instead of saying, we're going to start you at the low hand? Mm -hmm. How do we actually get something that's given, something that's done, some support that's provided that actually gets us to equity, which means we don't have some children who have new pet textbooks and then some children who do not. You can't tell me those children, you think they're equal because there's no equity. So you can't actually believe I have the same dignity, the same value, if you're not willing to allow me or provide for or supply the things as a nation that allow for equity so that I can have the same education that a white child can have 
mm. or that a child who has more money can have. Because again, that's a part of classism as well. So equity and equality, they're different animals. They're not the same thing. I really appreciate you explaining that because I think uh, it's, it's easy in some instances to not really understand that and, and even your visual and even you even provided not only for the visually impaired, but for our podcast listeners, a description. So I really appreciate that. That, that definitely helps um, of, of what you were describing. Um, not to be so basic that you, that, that you roll your eyes, because in some ways this question probably is an eye-rolling question, but for us to be a place where we're educating, I want to just not make any assumptions. So you referenced um, textbooks as being different um, and, and talking about education in, the, um, in, in impoverished areas versus um, wealthier areas. Um, I think about in Memphis that the city schools um, graduate a child four grade levels below what the suburban school would be. So, so a 12th grader from a city school really has the equivalent of like an eighth grade education compared to it. Those are the types of things that I think when we think about this systemically, it can be overwhelming and daunting, but I think yes. it helps maybe if you might, if there are other um, examples within education that you might give, but when we think about equity, I think anybody can see there are deficiencies. Anybody, you know, we talk about living in the hood. You referred to the ghetto. Um, we talk about, you know, you hear the phrase, the other side of the tracks or distressed neighborhoods. All of these things you know, are referring to the fact that there are these huge inequities. Where, describe for us where lack is most prevalent and how it contributes. I know that seems like people should get this by now, but I think as you give specifics, it helps people to kind of understand, oh, wow, I didn't realize how housing is impacted, or wow, I didn't realize, okay, I see that in my own city. That is actually true. Could you maybe give us a couple of examples, it, whether it be education or, or other areas of, of what that looks like, the inequity? You know, inequity, there's a conversation no matter what time frame you're in. If you listen to this podcast two years from now, just know right now we're in the midst of a global pandemic mm -hmm. that uh, we discovered, we found out, we see by the deaths, it's impacting Black people in the United States more than any other group of people. And people ask why? It's because of inequity. <laughs> inequity in healthcare. That's the primary example I can give you. Inequity in housing. Inequity in even laws and, and um, you know, contracts where you actually see, if you ever read any works by Jonathan Causal, he's an educator who talks about a lot inequity in education. And he talks about inequity in housing. He mentions South Bronx, mm -hmm. where the majority of the children there at the time he wrote uh, his book, Savage Inequalities, the majority of the children there had asthma because in South Bronx, they had been allowed to build these plants that emitted these gases and these different things that caused asthma. That's inequity in environmental justice, inequity in air quality, inequity. Those, this racism shows up in so many ways that you see these inequities where you never would say, 
let's get a group of affluent white children and build a plant by their school or build a playground that has metals in it that will cause them to be sick. You just wouldn't, you wouldn't see that. Not unless they're poor white people. But generally, you know, in terms of racism, classism, you see these inequities. And so South Bronx, that happened. And so now you have these health disparities and you have um, these deaths as a result of COVID and these illnesses that are impacting Black communities in urban areas more than other communities. And you ask why? Because there's inequity. There's something there that's like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That people are saying, if you give this, give them stuff, that's a handout. But you think about the power of that language or the power that's implied in that language. That even when I'm talking about inequity, I'm thinking, well, why is it that these folks over here still have the power to determine what's inequity and what becomes you know, level anyway. It's because of the power constructs that have been set up. Inequity is, it's everywhere. Vanetta, as you speak about that particular topic, I know one of the um, primary three causes that Race for Reconciliation has identified as a systemic issue that we want to help address is the literacy crisis. And so how do we partner in each community with um, organizations that provide in a proactive way literacy tutoring that goes in to help um, you know second first second third graders to be able to learn to read on grade level where they don't have some of the advantages that are in other schools you made reference to the the school to prison system in one of our last um, podcast help explain that when you say that there's this pipeline, it's something unfamiliar, like to somebody that has not walked in your space, who has not been oppressed um, and not been impoverished. I think we overlook that and don't really necessarily understand the depth of what you're really saying. Would you, when we're talking about equity and wanting to ensure equity, Talk about that from the perspective of a, a parent with a young child uh, in a distressed neighborhood. Why you, why you use that term and what that actually looks like? Sure. Um, I recommend, there are three, three resources I want to recommend first mm-hmm. uh, to help understand um, school to prison pipeline. One is the, the New Jim Crow. It's a book by Michelle Alexander. Um, Second resource is a film called 13th. It's a documentary uh, by Ava DuVernay. Um, And the third uh, is a visit to the Legacy Museum from slavery to mass incarceration in Montgomery, a museum that opened a few years ago uh, built by Brian Stevenson and the Equal Justice Initiative. Those three resources, I believe, um, really will help people understand the school to prison pipeline What would you say, um, you know, as you've given different examples, you know, and and you talk about the the inequities in the systems to to the person out there that goes, I mean, really? Is it is it is it really like there might be a few power players in behind the scenes that make those decisions, but in 2020, is that really what our culture believes? How do we, you know what I'm saying? Like in that context, 
what can we do as the, if, if there are people behind the scenes that really are that nefarious, and we talked about the heart and the love of all, you know, the root of all evil is the love of money and, and all of those things. How do we as individuals who don't, who want to see change, who want to see children succeed, who want to break those um, patterns and those, what, what would you say um, as we talk about ensuring equity, what are those steps that we can take? What do we do with that sense of, oh my gosh, like that's not my heart. I don't, I, that's not the people I know's heart, but that still seems to be what's happening in impoverished neighborhoods. What would you say? Yeah, I want to, I want to mention this phrase uh, from Dr. King. And I think, you know, you call me an expert. I'm just, I'm probably an expert in studying Dr. King. That's okay. probably a, <laughs> he's an expert in, in trying to understand what he taught and to apply it today. And he had this phrase called creative maladjustment that he talked about often. It wasn't his phrase, but he took it and he really expounded upon it. And he talked about how I refuse to adjust to injustice. And so I just encourage listeners to start there. We talked about in the last podcast, just saying a, a simple phrase of, um, you know, there are things that I have to learn. I'm not going to stay here. I want to shift those, the simple things. And I think for this podcast, if we could just get people, as we talk about this major of ensuring equity mm -hmm. to say, I refuse to adjust, I'm going to be creatively maladjusted. Once you start there and you say, I'm not going to adjust to poverty. I'm not going to adjust to racism. I'm going to educate myself and yield to being educated on these issues. Then the doors start to open because you first have to say, I want to be a conduit. I want to learn. I want to help eradicate these evils that have persisted for hundreds of years, thousands of years. And I want to be a part of that. But that creative maladjustment is key. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you say, I want to see it, then you start to see it. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's been saying, even as a black person, there were things I didn't know was going on in the world. I didn't know about these systems, this school to prison pipeline. And I started to say, I want to learn more. I want to see it. And so the course of the last 20, 22 years, I've started to say, okay, I see that. Mm -hmm. I see that. What can we do to eradicate that? So I think that first step is saying, I want to be creatively maladjusted. I am not going to adjust to injustice. I refuse to adjust to injustice. And then you start to say, okay, what can I read about this? You know, let me go look up. If you're listening and you just heard us talking about school to prison pipeline, go get those books. It's not fallacy. It's not somebody making something up. It's actually what's happening. If you find, the, find it hard to believe, then me too. You know, I find it hard to believe that somebody would be looking at third graders and saying they're going to be in jail in 15 years. I mean, it's disgusting. <laughs> we, we shouldn't find these things normal. Mm -hmm. They should be things that we say, this is not normal. And I'm not going to adjust to this inhumanity. You know, I think about, as you talked about the um, literacy, and we're talking about how do we ensure equity. I have a 21-year-old son and he decided when he went to college to start a nonprofit and he has taken groups of students from his university into local schools and helped teach third graders uh, their sight words 
so that they can um, be on grade level for reading. So if, if a 21 year old can do that, you know, again, we keep talking about the heart level. There's something that all of us can do um, yes. if we decide that it's something that we care about. And again, I think, go ahead. I, I wanted to add, because that just made me think about how there are different ways people can help. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to, when we talk about helping with these issues, I don't want people to feel boxed into something they're not gifted to do, mm-hmm. or they not might not have the resources to do. What I'm saying is, if we know this is an issue, the school to prison pipeline, somebody's called to do what your son is doing. Right. And then there are other people who are called to look at these laws and say, let's change these laws. What happens with us is we don't have the coalitions where we say, young Conley is doing this, and then we're doing this. And once we get it all done, then the issue changes. We right. just have somebody over here doing you know, the tutorials, mm-hmm. but we're not getting the laws. When we merge them though, Right. That's when we start to see these systems change because then we're working on the root of the problem, mm-hmm. plus we're working on the critical need mm-hmm. that's a result of the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. And that's important. That ensures equity. When you have people in a coalition saying, let's get this problem worked on from all facets. Mm. Well, and I want to, as we end this particular podcast, I really want to encourage people to really what you just said to highlight that. You know, if we are willing to walk in a space and and look at a problem and understand, we might not understand all of it. I don't understand all of it. But that, but if I wait until I understand all of it to do something, I'll never do something. And so, so you know, I may make mistakes along the way, but I'd rather make mistakes trying. And so, if you are someone out there and you're like, you know what, I see the struggles in the school system in my community. I see that there are distressed schools in distressed neighborhoods that are that don't have what the the schools that are in my neighborhood look like. You can be a part of the solution um, and you can take a step that's that you might not be a lawyer, you might not be an activist, but you can make a difference because you care and, and open yourself up to the education process. And so I just appreciate the you saying that because I do feel like um, there's parts of us in our humanity that we just feel like, well, if I can't, I I just give up because it just feels too big to say no. Like, as we talk about these inequities, identify some of the inequities that you have a passion about solving and take your gifts and, and find a way to do that. There are people out there that need your resources, they need your time, they need your connections, they need your expertise, they need your humility, they need your service. Um, and so I appreciate, Vanetta, the way that you have chosen to walk in the space and use your gifts and serve. And, um, and, and that's what really all of us can do. It might look different for each of us. But um, thank you again for joining us. Um, thank for, you. For your willingness to help educate us and, um, and look forward to more conversations with you. If you um, want to look at any of the resources uh, Race for Reconciliation, uh, go to raceforreconciliation.org. Uh, we've got R for R resources there. Um, follow us on social media, and we would love to just continue this conversation to help educate and elevate, that we can address some of these systemic problems in every community where, where this is heard uh, and make a difference. 